This is Beck in Millhaven, just saying, in Omaha, I'm Tom Becca. And in St. Louis, McGraw-Millhaven. Hi, everybody. Okay, so uh, I know that you've got a, a legal analyst that you talked about uh, to talk to on your radio program. This guy is a, a you know very good legal mind, constitutional scholar, and, and uh, Greg Willard is his name. And you were talking to him about the latest indictments on Donald Trump. And you you say there's some stuff that, like everybody else in the media, seems to be missing. Yeah, well, two things. Well, yesterday we talked to him, and he did talk about how very shortly you're going to start to hear some of the federal uh, workers, right, Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, those who have federal jobs, try and take it out of the state court and bring it to a federal court, um, which, again, okay, so now we're starting to hear. But there's also something in the statutes about um, federal officers have immunity from state laws in when they are doing it for their job. So in other words, right, if the president of the United States, um, you know, decides that uh, invading Cambodia is a smart move, right, you you this the state of Georgia can't then you know, call him a murderer for doing that, right? Because it was a bad judgment. It's not a bad act. And so federal officials are immune from state laws. But hold on a second. But 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 if, but if, uh, if Trump decides to go in there and invade Georgia, now Georgia's got a case against him. Well, and that's the, right. That's sort of the argument, right? If the president robs a bank, is that in in line with his duty as as president? Or is that I mean, this we're on the back page of the law books. So we're, we're sort of in uncharted territories. And, um, you know, is is him deciding that the um, that the elections in Georgia were, were properly run? Is that his job as president? One would argue that the president of the United States has absolutely nothing to do with the 50 individual elections that are run on Election Day. So he has no say whatsoever in what happens in Georgia. So that's not part of his job description. But he, my my guy was was pointing out that they're going to try and argue immunity when it once it gets into federal court. Um, and that might have some credibility if he wasn't talking about the the elections being rigged before he was president. I mean, if you take a look, remember back in twenty sixteen, right? Back during that campaign, he was saying that, um, uh, you know, that the elections were rigged. I mean, because he was sure he was going to lose. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, when he won, now now you could trust the elections, right? Um, and the same thing then when he's running again in 2020, you know, he's talking about how he would not necessarily um, say that he would um, concede if he lost the election. So this has all been planned long before he was even president. So I don't know how much of that that you can go and say, you know, he's immune uh, when it's obvious that this pattern has been going on for a long time. Oh, I'm just saying I'm just saying that there is I, it's it's going to be up to a federal judge. It's not up to you and me. But, um, you know, it's going the argument is going to be made that in this in the in the Atlanta indictment, that federal authorities are immune from state laws because they're doing it in the confines of their job. That's going to be the argument. Whether it plays or not, who knows? The other thing is, 
um, if it's taken from the state court to a federal court, um, state law still applies. And if anyone's convicted, they would not be subject to a presidential pardon because they would have been found guilty of a state law. So even if it's yes. if he's found guilty in a federal court, the state law would still apply because the crime was yes. committed in the state. Yes, yes, because this state brought the charges. It's been taken to the federal courts because of this statute, and it would be run by the, the state of Georgia's prosecutor, right? The Atlanta prosecutor would still try the case. It'd be done in a federal uh, jury with a federal judge, but it would be like the feds are watching the state do this. If found guilty, it would still be a state guilty and not subject to a presidential pardon. Uh, I'm getting a headache. You, you right, know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it, we're on the we're on the back page of this stuff. What, what what I find fascinating about all of this and kind of amusing about all of this, and I, I'm as guilty as the next person, right? All of a sudden, we've all become lawyers. All of a sudden, we've all become, you know, over the last couple of years, we've all become lawyers, uh, you know, experts in federal law, experts in state law, experts in presidential history, right? We've all become experts on this, and we know what we know. Um, when the reality is, is you're right, it'll be decided in the courts, which is much uh, different than being decided in the court of public opinion. Um, yeah, well, do you see where Lindsey Graham said this should all be decided in the ballot box? Yeah, oh, God, People Lindsey were... Graham. People are like, no, that's the whole idea. It was decided in the ballot box, and he's arguing over it. <laughs> you know, people like you and I uh, will look at a Lindsey Graham and look at it from a political point of view and all of that. I'll bet, I'll bet that when a group of uh, psychiatrists get together <laughs> and they're having a beer and they discuss Lindsey Graham and ain't about politics— <laughs> It's about what the hell is going on in that head of his. Lindsey Graham is a, is is the poster child of I'll say whatever I have to say to keep my office. And I'll suck up to whoever I have to suck up to keep my office. I, you know, I, I, I wonder, I mean, the whole thing here is just, it's just so mind boggling and, I, I do think that I do think that the the vast majority, and I do think the vast, but maybe this is where some of, you know, the quote unquote the media does take some blame. Because I think overall, if you take a look at uh, the senators and congressmen and women, if you take a look at them, I think overall you've got good, decent people that are just trying to do the right thing. All right. Um. But it's those outliers like that that are just making the stupid comments, whether it be a Lindsey Graham, uh, a uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, an AOC. Those that tend to be more on the fringe, they get the media attention. And those that are just the worker bees, uh, you know, don't. And there, are, I think there are a lot more worker bees there than uh, those that are, uh, you know, getting the headlines and uh, putting out the Twitter feeds and, um, you know, being the butt of jokes. Yeah, I I think that um, uh, I don't really blame the media. I think that um, elected officials um, get into it for the right reasons. But somewhere along the line, what they have to say to win and, and what they believe, and they get lost somewhere in the middle. 
Um, you know, I mean, for Donald Trump now to say, oh, Monday, I'm going to have a meeting and I'm going to prove that there was election fraud, you know, and three three years after the election, you're going to come out with information as to now, really? I mean, uh, the other thing is interesting is that I the, the a Republican Party, there was a conservative columnist who wrote something in the New York Post um, today that was kind of interesting. And he said um, that all these uh, in, indictments were witch hunts. And he said, but you know what? The American people have spoken. They don't want election deniers to win elections. And Donald Trump lost elections. And the Democrats spent 50 some odd million dollars promoting election deniers in primaries in 2022. And those that won the primary with the help of the Democrats lost in the general election. Election deniers got wiped out. So why would Republicans continue to nominate election deniers? You can't win. And Atlanta and Georgia, right? Raffelsberger and their 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 uh, governor, uh, Kemp, they won easily because they weren't election deniers. So why would you keep going back to nominating election deniers when they don't win? Because a Herschel Walker has got a lot more star quality. <laughs> okay, now I let mean, me ask you something. Okay, you bring up an interesting question here, an interesting point, and about how you think that people get into uh, you know, public service for the right reasons, and then somewhere along the line it sort of you know gets twisted. Do you think Josh Hawley was a good guy before, you know, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley uh, was a good guy before he got into D.C. and then just got all wrapped up in it and it sort of changed him? Was he a good guy to begin with? Uh, that is a great question. That's um, why I'm here. I ask the great questions. It's what I do, McGraw. I, You know, I, 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 I would probably tend to say that Josh Hawley was probably more of a prince, principled guy along the way and was much more of a constitutionalist, and right? But when they saw the handwriting on the wall, when they saw the way the window was blowing, all of a sudden, you know, he he's the only senator to vote against NATO expansion, which is bonkers. Um, you know, he's the only one to you know, go off the rails on just the weirdest stuff. And, uh, you know, he was the first one to uh, object to uh, the electoral college votes. So I, I think he was probably got into it for the right reasons. I mean, they all go to The Bachelor for the right reasons. But at some point, they want star power. And, you know, their egos get in the way. So I, I would probably argue that he got into it for the right reasons. Ah, but boy, he sure turned it around, didn't he? I mean, oh my goodness, you know, oh god, he 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 became um, back guano crazy. How how could you, how could you vote against NATO expansion? That 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 is just that's what Vladimir Putin wants, and Vladimir Putin is 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 a megalomaniac. And why would a United States senator vote for what a megalomaniac wants? To 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 strengthen the greatest alliance man has ever seen, which is a Republican. Talking point for for fifty years, right? The strength of NATO, and and for him to go against it and somehow call himself a Republican is is bonkers. So I don't get it. <laughs> it it definitely. I mean, I guess you know, politics is a strange business, and I guess uh, you know somehow it made sense to him. Somehow he, and then I think what happens too 
is that once you go down that uh, path, it's really hard to reverse your uh, trajectory. You know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Once you, yeah, yeah. Once you get a taste of it, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like Alex Jones. They 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 sort of personify this, and the people puff puff them up, and they read their own press clippings, and it becomes a drug, and all of a sudden they're off to the races. Well, there's a name I haven't heard in a few months. Uh, I, I imagine he's still out there. I imagine he's still got a strong following. I would imagine. I, well, I there's an article. There's an article in the New York Times today about how they're trying to force him to pay his pay his fines to the Sandy Hook victims. So that, that's um, why it was in the top of my head. You know, and and well, you know, he uh, his wife is from Omaha. So oh, really? Every now and then he shows up here in town. And uh, last time he was in town, to my knowledge, last time he was in town, he was um, at the uh, one of the very nice, uh, very the Cottonwood Hotel, which is a very, very nice, very expensive hotel here in town. And this is right after the Sandy Hook uh, verdict came down, and he owed all this money, right? And um, you know, like he would be walking through the lobby, and people in the hotel would be shouting at him and stuff. Um, uh, it was. Um, are they cheering him or jeering him? Jeering him, oh. jeering him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of a lot of um, a lot of famous people marry women from Omaha. Clarence Thomas, Alex Jones, Michael Reagan. I forgot about Michael Reagan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any any Democrats marry women from Omaha? Mm, I don't think so. I can't think of any. Um. Yeah, Bob Carey was an Omaha that married a New Yorker, so... Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the biggest story of the week isn't that uh, Donald Trump was indicted and now has 91 pending cases against him or charges against him. I think the biggest story of the week, far none, was that Michael Orr said he was never adopted. I don't know if that's the biggest story, but it is one I would like to talk to you about. And we will do that right after this quick break here on the Big 550 KTRS. We are back. This is Beck and Millhaven just saying. I'm Tom Becca. He's McGraw Millhaven. So you think this whole um, uh, story here about the the football player? What was his name? Uh, Michael Orr. Uh, yeah, Michael was, Orr from The Blind Side. Th- yeah, the, the the movie The Blind Side. Uh, he's saying now that uh, he was never adopted, and uh, now the family though, uh, the uh, the Sandra Bullock family and the whole thing. <laughs> uh, they're saying they're saying that he was trying to shake him down for money uh, before he uh, filed this claim. So I, 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 one, he said that he uh, was never adopted. And two, he's saying that they swindled him out of the money from the movie. Um, which, I mean, the movie, The Blind Side, you, have you seen that movie? I know. Oh, it's a, it's a great movie. Um, I read the book, the Michael Lewis book. It was a good book. But the movie was great. It's not the same, Zach, but the movie was just such a heartfelt such a uplifting story about a homeless black kid in Memphis and a coach sees him and enrolls him in a prestigious private school. And this white family, this rich white family sort of takes him under their wing. And, you know, they, they form this bond 
And so they feed them and clothe them and house them and train them and, and give them a tutor. And so all of a sudden they're taking care of this young man and they realize he's, you know, a pretty good football player. And then um, he wants to go to Ole Miss because they went to Ole Miss and then the NCAA gets involved and thought there was some like some type of shenanigans going on. And all it was that it was, it was this wonderful story about these cultures coming together. It was a wonderful story. And then he ends up being a first round draft pick of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And has a nice career in in the NFL. Now he's coming out and saying he was never adopted, and he was swindled out of the movie money. But uh, and this is a question I haven't seen anywhere: is even though it was Michael Orr's story, he didn't write it. Michael Lewis wrote the book, so Michael Lewis gets the money. The actor or the person who right? If I write a book about Tom Becca. And Hollywood comes again. You don't get any money out of that. You didn't write the story, even though it's quote unquote your story. I mean, I didn't get any money for the tender bar. Uh, JR wrote the book. I don't get any money for the book he writes. And I don't get any money for the movie. So Michael Orr, apparently the family's saying, hey, Michael Lewis gave us a couple of shares and we split it with everybody in the family equally and, and everybody got a fair share. Michael Orr saying he didn't get enough. I don't think you get any money when when Hollywood comes and makes a movie about you. Well, first of all, if you wrote a book, wrote a book, wrote a book about me, I would be getting money because of all the lawsuits I would be putting out there of all the falsehoods that you put in there because I don't trust you to tell an, an, an honest story. Well, uh, you would lose. You 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 would lose. That's 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 my point. It's not your story. It's my story. If I say it's true, you know. Um, if I tell a story that you robbed a bank and I say it's true and you believe it's false, you'd have to go pretty far down the line to prove that it wasn't true. Well, no, that that one that one's pretty that one is pretty factual. That one is pretty factual. You can find that by you know that uh, uh, whether or not I ro- robbed a bank or not. That's pretty. Um, that's pretty. Right, that that might be a bad example. But let's that say a very I bad a story example. about us going out and you know I don't know. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You could you could you could, you could uh, fabricate some story about. Uh, you know, some road trip we took or something like that years ago, and right, and then that'd be tougher to prove, and that yeah. So you're right about that. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyways, I, I just find I just find it fascinating that this wonderful feel good story has has now been turned on its ear, um, and it really just gives you a bad taste in your mouth when it's all said and done. Well, okay. Why do you care to have a bad taste in your mouth? Well, I don't know. It's a story. You know, it'd be like um, I don't know some story you just had a good feeling about. All of a sudden to realize that it was fake and not true and, you know, this wonderful story that you thought was real now isn't. Or or I could just say that Michael Orr's fake news and it never really happened and it happened the way I, I perceived it in my head and just tune out all the criticism and just say you're all lying to me. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about uh, Hollywood. And if there was a movie that made you feel good, then enjoy it. I mean, look. Uh, I know you and I are both fans of the movie Rudy. Uh, you know that that's uh, that's a great movie. Uh, you know, okay, did it happen exactly like that? I don't think so. You know, so you find out it didn't happen exactly like that. Does that still take away from the the uh, beauty of that movie? No, not at all. Yeah, but Rudy didn't come out and say I played for Clemson. I didn't play for Notre Dame. Well, yeah. 
Uh, I'm trying to think about your 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 point on this. I mean, I mean, all they're saying. Well, but but Michael Orr said it. It. I was never the whole movie is about how he was adopted, and he comes out and says I wasn't adopted. Well, it would seem to me because he's like in his mid thirties now or so, right? I mean, it would seem to me that that'd be the sort of thing you would know long before then. Apparently, he just found out. He found out that he signed a conservatorship where they control all of his finances and he had no control over it that's what he's saying okay, so he's now, saying he was saying it was like a britney spears deal that he didn't know about <laughs> i know it's it's crazy but you know oh you know i and I, and maybe you know of course we're all part of it but there's just so much media out there you know there, there may be a time when stories like that wouldn't be such a big deal they'd be buried somewhere and you know nobody would Nobody would think much of it, but um, well, I mean, an Oscar-winning movie, uh, and a guy coming out saying, "I mean, that was a pretty big movie. It was an Oscar yeah. win, right? She won an Oscar for it, um, and then for them to come out and say none of it's true—that's that's a big story, whether you have you know back in the old days or not." I do, I do see that. I do see that uh, people on Twitter and on social media are telling Julia Roberts, that, or well, no, it wasn't Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock. Um, Telling Sandra Bullock that she needs to return the Oscar because the story isn't true. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. Well, no, no, but that's but that's what some people but that's what some people that's what some people on social media are saying, McGraw, that she needs to return the Oscar. Where yeah. would she return it to? The Oscar store? I'm sorry, I'd like to return this. I mean, what what does that even mean? Where do you return it to? The Oscar store. I believe the Academy of Arts and Sciences, uh, the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences, I believe would be the people that would be in charge of that. And there's no reason why she should because, yeah, her winning that Oscar had nothing to do with uh, the legal situation. That, well, uh, that, now, who should get the Oscar? The runner-up? Who, who was the runner-up? Should we, like, redo the Oscars again? Well, that's not going to happen. Nobody – she ain't giving up the Oscar. She ain't well, giving and- up the Oscar. Besides, I mean, it's such a retard. It's such a ridiculous thing to say. Oh, you almost, you almost said a bad word. I said it. I said it was a retread. It was a retread argument. No, that's not what you said. We all heard it. We all heard it. Oh, you didn't. Oh, you almost said. You almost used a bad word. Oh my goodness! All right, what else you want to talk about? Okay, I want to. I do want to talk. Well, I want to talk about you know how you were so. Uh, no, I won't say. I was. I was going to say it just to say it, just to tick you off, and it wouldn't get you. Never, but never mind. We'll move on. Um, I, <laughs> I'm censoring myself. Why I don't know. I do want to talk. I do want to talk about the, the situation in Kansas uh, with the newspaper. Yeah, that's. I want. I do want to talk. I do want to talk about that, and we will talk about that. We'll take a quick break here on uh, the Big Five Fifty KTRS, and of course the podcast. Hang with us here. This is. Back in Millhaven, just saying, on the Big 550 KTRS. And once again, we are back. Hello, I'm Tom Becker. He's McGraw, Millhaven, and... Uh, uh, happened in a small town in Kansas, but boy, I'll tell you what, um, it scares the hell out of me. The cops came in and raided a newspaper. Took everything. Newspapers, everything. computers, cell phones, went to the guy's house, took, took, took stuff from his house. Then the poor mom died. 
Yeah, 98 year old mom who had been uh, the matriarch of this newspaper, had seen him through all the thick and thin, and, and that she died the next day um, after this raid. Uh, this, what I find interesting about this, and maybe you can answer it for me, what I find interesting is obviously this is a violation of freedom of the press. At the same time, pretty much anybody with a Twitter account can claim to be a journalist these days. Where's that line drawn? You know, the, 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 the reports are the reports are that this newspaper was looking into the chief of police and central allegations against him when he was a cop in Kansas City. And that's why they came to raid and find out, you know, who the, uh, the sources were and all of that. Um, well, and- I, I would tell you, I'll tell you that if the goal was to keep this story about uh, this police officer and what he did or something, if, if the goal was to keep that story from getting out, I just read about it in the London Times yesterday. So yeah, um, I'm not so sure that they actually uh, achieved the goal of keeping this story quiet. Are you saying so, you didn't think the whole thing through? <laughs> so that's that's an epic failure. Um, but you're seeing this more and more of people who are sort of getting brazen with, um, you know, newspaper outlets and, and, and media outlets and everything else, right? They're going to try and bankrupt them. And they're already, uh, you know, working at, you know, a reduced staff. Do you see the story on 60 Minutes the other day about how eBay didn't like what a internet journalist who wrote a, who writes a, newsletter about how to buy and sell on ebay they didn't like what this this couple said so they set out to destroy them ebay set out to destroy them and hired like c uh, level executives to go harass them it was unbelievable and all because the ceo was upset that they published his salary um so they went after these two people who just did a nice little website about you know how to buy and sell on on ebay um but back to your question about citizen journalists, um, I, I get your point. But if you have a Twitter account, y- you you may be a journalist, but you may not be. Journalists have ethics. Journalists have rules of the road. You know, we need two sources. We we don't say the names of of things uh, of you know certain things until it's verified. Um, we 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 all make mistakes. We all have to own it. We all have to own up to it. But these people who just make these outright lies on Twitter, they, they don't have any ethics. They don't have any morals. They don't have any responsibilities. So I wouldn't call them journalists. I, I don't know what they are. They're allowed to do it, but they're not journalists, and, and they don't re- respect trying to get to the truth. Well, that's just it, though. But then, you know, who, who determines? Does the government determine who is a journalist and who isn't? I don't, I don't want to live in that world either. I mean, well, you... I don't want to live in a world where it's Mark Zuckerberg's responsibility. Um, well, no, well, but it's I, all, mean, I, guess it's all, I guess it's always sort of been that way. I mean, you know, the uh, the New York Times determined who was a journalist in their operation. The Washington Post, uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch, the Omaha World Herald, they they got to decide who was and who wasn't a journalist. Yeah, but but family run newspapers have. You can't the things there are things you cannot post uh, on the website. 
or the, the Post-Dispatch website or the things you can't, they don't just have open source where anybody can type in anything. They have gatekeepers, they have editors and they have publishers and they have a board of directors and everything else, right? Facebook um, can can allow someone to broadcast a murder or a, or a mass shooting on their site and there's and there's no retribution. Whereas if you put a curse word on the the post dispatch website, you know the community standards is going to come and get you. So why do we why are we so up in arms over community standards for journalists, but not on social media? But then give social media the same uh, the same benefits of a traditional journalist? I don't think so. So. Um... One thing that bothers me about this story in Kansas about the police raiding the newspaper, the thing that bothers me is that the basically the Kansas Bureau of Investigation put out a statement stating that, um, well, you know, hey, journalists aren't above the law. And that there doesn't seem to be, with the exception of, you know, people that are involved in the media, I don't think that the average citizen really gives a rat's patoot about it, not understanding the danger that can happen when the police come in there and take a newspaper's computers and their cell phones and all their uh, correspondence, I don't think that the average citizen understands the danger of that or cares about the danger of that. They do. They only care about it when there's a witch hunt against their guy. So when there's a witch hunt against somebody else, we don't really care. But if you're trying to take down my guy, then it's automatically a witch hunt. You would think the people screaming the weaponization of the Justice Department would be looking very closely when they weaponized the police department, uh, possibly, in this town of Kansas. But it doesn't play into their narrative, so they don't want to use it. Well, I will say, I do think that on the far right and in the the MAGA world, I do think there's been an awful lot of projecting. Uh, Projecting onto others what they're doing themselves. Uh, Hence the chance of locker up, uh, you know, uh, uh, things along those lines where they go and basically, um, you know, go after the, go after the uh, other side, accusing them of doing things that, that they're doing. I mean, trying to, trying to uh, distract with a Hunter Biden laptop over the indictments against Donald Trump. I, I don't see how that makes any sense to anybody, but boy, they seem to think it's equal. Did you see where, um, Jim Jordan, like three weeks ago, was demanding a special counsel for Hunter Biden. I love the story. And then, then they, then they call for a special counsel for Hunter Biden, and he says, "Stop playing politics." Yeah, yeah, and they're upset. Although the special counsel was appointed by Donald Trump. I know, I know. I got a, I got a text message from somebody who's like, "What? Why do we have to approve? Why do we have to like Donald Trump's appointment?" I'm like, Donald Trump handpicked the guy who's who's investigating Hunter Biden, and you don't like what the guy said. So what what who would you like to pick to investigate Hunter Biden than Donald Trump's handpicked guy? And do they have an answer? No. Of course not. No, of course. I'm a liberal. Right. Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> it is. I was at I had breakfast today with um uh, my broker at the 
Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, you know, I'm doing the real estate that I'm doing. I had having breakfast with him this morning and we were talking about this. And I said, you know, this really has given me a very unique perspective on people. Years of doing talk radio and being involved in, in, in this because, it, you know, it is interesting. The folks that that you will uh, come in contact with, for instance, we're talking about, um, you know, what happened, that raid on the newspaper there in uh, in Kansas. Yeah. You know, the newspaper, the media is the enemy of the people, right? They're the bad guys, right? I've been at Donald Trump rallies where I'm in the media pit there and all the reporters, I'm in the pit with all these people and I've had thousands of people yelling obscenities, shouting at us, calling us fake news, all this stuff, right? And then when the rally is over, I leave and I'm walking through the crowd to get to my car and people recognize me and it's like, hey, Tom, how you doing, man? Love your stuff. And it's like, how, there's a real disconnect there, yeah. you know, be, between between what, you know, what the media is doing. And yet if they like you, if they know who you are, you know, there there's some uh, connection there, uh, you know, though, then, then you're one of the good guys. I had I had a guy. He's a MAGA Republican uh, running for office, low-level guy, not really uh, getting any traction, but he's a guy, right? He wants – there's there's some sto- a story here without getting into details about our senator, Pete Ricketts, and how he got the job of being senator. And there's some plausibility to a theory that there may have been some you know backroom dealings on all of this. Some shenanigans. But, yeah, but nothing that could be proven, right? Again, yeah. going back to your point about uh, ethics, right? So this MAGA, this MAGA um, Republican who's running for office against Pete Ricketts, you know, comes up to me and he wants to know, you know, why aren't you digging into what Pete did? And I said, well, you know what? Actually, I did dig into it and I couldn't find I got I couldn't find any evidence of it. Uh, the you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't find the smoking gun. Now, if you know where that smoking gun is, let me know. But I couldn't do it. And then I looked at the guy and I said, but at the same time, here you come to me looking for a favor. Yeah. You know, at the same time, you're dismissing everything that I that I'm doing because yeah. I'm part of the enemy of the people. Yeah, you're the enemy of the state. Why are you coming to me for help? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. well, I, I need your help now, but uh, but yeah, but I I don't I don't I don't trust you otherwise. But hey, can yeah. you do me a favor? Yeah. And I've had I've had things like that happen more than once. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, we're in a we're we're in a weird place, man. We're in a place where next week. They're going to have the Republican debate and the front runner for the Republican nomination is going to be indicted <laughs> in the same day. Yeah. And 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 he, Trump said he's not going to sign the pledge. Well, if he's not going to sign the pledge. I, you know what? What type of Republican is he? They're making all these other people sign the pledge and he's not going to sign the pledge. Yet he's going to show up. Maybe I don't know. Uh, this man, stay tuned. This is going to get crazier. Oh, indeed. I mean, did you even see what happened there at the Iowa State Fair where you had, um, you know, he didn't even he didn't go and uh, get up on stage and answer questions, give a speech, anything like that, which has always been a staple of the Iowa State Fair. Right. The politicians get up there and um, they, they, they give their pitch and they shake hands and they see the butter cow and all that stuff. Trump didn't do any of that. He just showed up, threw out some MAGA hats, got the media coverage and left. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Guy, yeah. No, the guy, look, take nothing away from him from being a showman and being a, uh, you know, a guy that knows how to, how to uh, relate to his audience. His, his people love him. Take nothing away from that. Uh, I would love to see 
And this is probably why it'll never happen. I would love to see Chris Christie and Donald Trump on the same debate stage. I don't know why. I, I, again, forgetting you love the guy, but election deniers keep losing elections in Republican states. So I don't understand why you want to go down that road again. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, I thoroughly agree. I, you know, but not to mention that's his whole platform is I got robbed. I mean, if he would have if he would have taken a victory lap and said, I saved the country from covid, I had a huge tax break and I my my border policies were working. And if he would have done that in these four years, he would crush Biden in a reelection rematch. But he didn't do it. He's you know, he's he's gone crazy. So. I don't know. What do I know? Well, well, anyway, so that's, yeah, it's just, I know we, a lot of this has all been rehashed and rehashed and rehashed, and we're going to look, let's face it, let's face it, we had a little bit of a break, a little bit of a respite after the last election of not having to pay too much attention to Donald Trump. I uh, I fear that after Labor Day, especially, those days are gone, and uh, whether it be in the courtroom, whether it be on the campaign trail, we're going to be talking about this guy for uh, the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, we'll wait. Yeah, it's still a long way to go. Yeah. So, and I and I stand by my prediction that neither the Democratic nomination, the Democratic nomination, will not be Joe Biden, and the Republican nomination will not be Donald Trump. I stand by that prediction. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here uh, first. Yeah. Yep. So that that is my I, I it is I'm not sure how much of it is my hope and how much of it is my belief, but that is but I am sticking to that right now. That I don't think. <laughs> Here, here, here's my prediction: the Jets will win the Super Bowl. Um, my prediction has a lot more credibility. You think Aaron Rodgers is going to be enough to get the Jets from that lowly team? Uh, the Jets, the Jets have a really good team. They have a really good defense, and they got a whole lot of great offensive weapons. Their line is a little thin, but um, they could do. They're a really, really good team, and they just needed a quarterback, and so now they have a quarterback. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how the Browns do. Shows you what a meet, what a dom, what a quarterback league it is. But that's a whole other issue. All right, we're out of time. I got to go. I got people to see. What do you got to do? You got nothing going on. I have people. You have people. Okay, fine. Oh, that's right. You're a very important man. Very important man. We'll do this again next week. Thank you for uh, listening, sharing all that good stuff. Uh, in the meantime, I'm Tom Becca. Did you leave? No, I'm here. You just froze up again. Oh, I froze up again? Okay. No, okay. Well, uh, there you are. Now, now we got it. Okay. I'm Tom Becker. McGraw Millhaven. Take care. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.